Fifi. What? <laughs> that, that, those, those, that's the way you want to start the show. Those are the first two words you wanted to come out of your mouth today. Which which words are those? Oh, I, I won't even repeat it. I, I'm not even going to deign. Does it, does it hurt your feelings when I when people say things like that? Does it hurt my feelings? No, it annoys me. There's a difference. Okay. Do tell. No, I'm not. We're not going to have a, a psychological session here. Welcome to Bible Banter. No, I'm, look, I'm I'm genuinely interested in whether or not I've accidentally hurt your feelings. Because no, if so, I'm going to apologize. You have not hurt my feelings. I don't feel hurt. I okay. do. You should pick a different nickname other than you know the one that references vomit. So are you? Is it because it's such a like it's low hanging fruit? Like there, it takes absolutely no like thought whatsoever. Yeah, I think that has more to do with it. If you were to if you were to insult me more intelligently, I would appreciate it. When you just add a letter and you know refer to human uh, waste that because you could do the same thing with you can just say Lukey Dookie and it's the same joke and I'm just as annoyed. Ah, uh, I like Lukey Dookie better. <laughs> well, if it's any consolation, when I was a kid, uh, people used to call me Erica, and I go, "That's stupid." Well. People might have called you Erica, but were you ever actually confused for a girl? Because I totally got confused for a girl at Subway one time when I was. <laughs> there was this one time. If my sister's watching, she will probably remember. My dad's from Texas. He's from the Houston area, and uh, we went down. I think I think I had only gone maybe once to go visit my grandparents down there and the family down there. So we went. I forget what time of year it was, but I just remember it being as hot as could be. Like it. If I, I was maybe seven, eight years old, but I'm telling you, it was worse than when I was in Afghanistan. I was so hot. And I'm looking at people, I'm wearing shorts, and there are people in Texas wearing pants in the midst of this terrible heat. And I was just, it was astounding to me. Well, we went into a McDonald's. And at that time, I think I had really long hair, like a bowl cut, but it must have made me look like a girl. And I must have been the ugliest little girl ever. <laughs> and they gave me i got a, a happy meal and they gave me a girl's toy and they confused me for a girl and it hurt my feelings until so this day I, i've been self-conscious ever since which is why i have a beard so that no one will confuse me when i was about 15 15 or 16 i had hair down to my shoulders and i was a distance runner so i had like this scrawny androgynous body and I was totally addressed as a woman at Subway. Um, believe it or you not, were you were dressed as a woman. No, no, no. I, I, I wasn't dressed as a woman. Wow. Well, Bible banter. We, we were coming out of the closet. Uh, <laughs> so believe it or not, folks, the the subject today is actually not transgenderism. So maybe we should yeah. uh, get right to the goods. Yeah. So, so Luke, what are we talking about today? Today we're going to talk about creeds, confessions, and statements of faith. And their use in the church. Yep, that is that is what we are talking about. But also, we have some we have some really exciting. We could start off in a very exciting way. Do you know I what think, that is? I think, I think you need to put on your '90s DJ voice for this announcement. Okay, okay, hold on. You ready? Hey guys, welcome to Bible Banter. It's Luke and Eric, and we have some really exciting uh, uh, drawing to go with the show here this morning it is our monthly drawing for a new book which we shared we didn't get any new bible banter club members on tuesday 
since Tuesday to today. So all of you who were like, eh, maybe you, maybe when we advertised Joe Thorne's book, Experiencing the Trinity, you said, hey, I already have that book. And I hope that's the case because it's a great book. Uh, it is a book that will, uh, and I mean this, and I'll take the 90s DJ, uh, DJing hat off. And it, it is just, it is a pleasure to read. It is something that will edify you. It is short as are all of Joe Thorne's books. And it just teaches you uh, how to experience the, the treasures of the theological understanding of the Trinity, a biblical understanding of the Trinity. It is tremendous. So this is what we're raffling off today. Available to uh, the three people who are on the Banter Club membership level of veteran or higher. So we have three contestants, and they are actually scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Moose McLaughlin, Jess Rice, and Matt Delano Rice. Now, here's the cool thing, right? So the Rices are a husband and wife. So they that family has a two-thirds chance of winning this book. So wow. can I say, like, I'm kind of pulling for Moose. He's a, he's got a one-third, uh, one-third chance. I, I have a feeling deep in my gut that this is going to be Moose's. We'll see. Are you, are you, should we take odds? Should we take bets on this? I told you earlier. Off air. I don't gamble anymore. I just, I just wanted to show. Like, I got three pieces of paper in here. It's in my hat. I'm not looking. They're all the Yo, same size. Mike is on it today. He called you, He called you a figure skater. He insulted your five head. Golly, sorry. <laughs> Mike is coming at me hard, man. I like it. Okay, look. You want to? Would you like to take the name out of the hat? Yes, I'll do the honors. Okay, hold on. I got to do it this way. Okay, wow. now good job. Good job. Here yeah. it is. Here it is. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. It is not Matthew Rice. Who do you think it is? 50-50 shot. I'm going with Moose. You're going with Moose? Moose! Moose! Yeah, Moose! We got you this book. It's going to be heading your way. We will put it in the mail. I don't know. Probably tomorrow at some point. Um, congratulations, congratulations, Moose. Uh, I would love for you to read this book and then give us your assessment of it. Maybe you can like write a little comment about it. So, uh, that's very exciting. And then we still have the dangerous calling book that we have to send out to Glenn, right? Mm -hmm. So we will be sending that out immediately as well. And it is not too late for you to join the banter club. Only six more signups until we, until we raffle off this beautiful ESV premium Bible free to you with a one month subscription to the banter club. It's pretty exciting, man. Yes. And all sorts of goodies at the various levels of the banter club to find out more about it. Go to patreon.com slash Bible banter. Is that a forward slash or a backslash? I hope it's a forward slash or I've been visiting a different Bible banter. <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> Wait, have you, have you signed up for the banter club too? Not yet. Oh, okay. Well, you should. Have you? Yeah. I'm the one who posts everything on there. <laughs> I haven't gotten the upgraded account to give you access, so I'm the only one who has access to it. I, I'll, you know, with all these great goodies, even I might consider joining the Banter Club. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Wonderful. So um, we just want to thank you guys for supporting the podcast. If you are – 
not generous and you're stingy with your money, you're more than welcome to support us in other ways, which you can go and subscribe to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and give us an honest five-star review. I'm just kidding. You're not stingy. Listen, there are things that I support and don't support. Um, you, you, only you are the type of person who would insult 80% of your audience right off the bat. Far more than 80%. <laughs> but they know it's all in good it's all in good fun it's all in, you know what you know there are podcast there's one podcast that my wife and i have subscribed to and, and support um i give to other organizations too like church planting organizations and um berkshire christian college so uh great causes out there great things so no no look we we appreciate all of our bible banter buddies uh, and it, we make the show free on purpose. We don't want it to be behind a paywall. Um, but if you do want to give a little bit, just know that every penny that you give is going right back into um, paying for the stuff that makes the show work. So make, it, it makes the show great again. Say again? It makes the show great again. That's right. Bible Banter 2020. <laughs> Um, Nancy Helms guest BCC exclamation point exclamation point. That's right. Uh, Nancy go and support. They are doing some tremendous things. We should try and get, uh, Mike back on Mike, uh, who's in the comment section is one of the board members for Berkshire. Uh, how can we give wait to BCC or to, to Bible banter? <laughs> you can uh, go to the Berkshire Christian website, Mike, if you're still watching and we haven't insulted you completely, maybe you can drop that link in the, in the comments. Uh, it is a worthy cause. They are doing, uh, they are providing scholarships to which I have benefited from for seminary. Uh, you can also do the MTI program, which is in various parts of the country right now. And they also have uh, a few other things that Mike. So Mike is saying we should have Glenn Rice or Matt Larkin. They would be better guests. I mean, uh, if, if we were to bring Mike back on, he'd be our first repeat guest. So that'd be, that would be quite an honor. And it's not because we haven't asked other guests. It's because they were like, mm, yeah, no thanks. Um, if you don't mind, Eric, I'm going to say a quick word of prayer for Wes. I know him well. He's a good friend. And he was just sharing. Um, he's got some unexpected surgery tomorrow. Ooh, okay. Yeah, please. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for the the privilege of this technology and just the ability to, um, and at least in some ways, be together from so far away. We know that you are not remotely limited by the miles between us right now. And so uh, I lift up to you, Brother Wes. We declare to you our trust in you. We mm -hmm. ask you to do what we know you are going to do, which is to protect and to keep him. Um, guide the hands of the doctors, give him a sense of peace, knowing that his hope is um, it's in you, even as he goes under that knife. Mm -hmm. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, now we'll, we'll be praying for you, brother. Now, when Nancy said my husband is too, was she saying he has unexpected prostate surgery too, or something else? Say that again. Uh, Wes said I have unexpected prostate surgery. And then Nancy said my husband is too. I think she was referring to something else. I I hope so because unexpected. I mean, you don't want. Yeah, that's. Yeah, you don't. You don't want expected prostate surgery, much less unexpected. Oh, Nancy's saying that her husband is a uh, has been a BCC trustee for a long okay, time. Okay, gotcha. Okay, okay, good, good. All right. And if not, we're gonna add, we're gonna add Mr. Guest to the. <laughs> okay. 
to the prayer uh, to the prayer chain. So that that's wonderful. Uh, they do do some tremendous work. Hey, you're welcome, Wes, and we will be we'll continue to pray for you as well, brother. Yeah, um, I, I I just want to point out that you just said do do. I think it's the first time I've caught you caught you doing that. Do doing that. Caught me do doing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What is this? The what hey, is this? Joe Rogan? You started the show with Lukey Pukey. I get one middle school level joke. <laughs> That's pretty much all of our jokes. Uh, last night we were Rob and I were uh, I forget what we were doing, and um, we're in the kitchen. And I had heard this joke. I had been sitting on this for a week. Okay, and we're in the kitchen, and she was opening the door to let the dogs out. I believe. And I said to her, I said, Robin, I think something's wrong Wait, with the dish. Hold, hold on, hold on, go back for a minute. Who let the dogs out? Who? 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 That's also a joke we do in, in my house. So <laughs> she's opening the door to let the dogs out. And I said, Robin, I think the dishwasher is broken. Something's wrong even, with it. You didn't even finish the joke, and she's already letting us know it wasn't funny. So, so I said, hey, the, there's something wrong with the dishwasher. She said, oh, what's that? I said, it's opening the door. What? It's opening the door. She's the dishwasher. <laughs> oh man! Oh, All right. Man. Well, uh, you guys, you guys are, are at least now aware of the level that the show is going to be at today. Uh, yeah. It's because today is, in fact, Popery Day. Yeah. Popery. Popery. Oh, goodness. All right. That, that is our last 13-year-old level joke. Okay. Are we willing to Are we willing to take it to the next level then, Luke? Go from 13-year-old to at least 17-year-old? All right. So I, I, don't want, I don't want to get on your wife's bad side, but I would point out that when you tell someone you're stupid, you should probably use apostrophe R-E or else it sort of backfires. You know, I feel like I was on your wife's good side right up until that moment, and I'm going to regret that for a long time. Yeah, she she's your favorite member of the podcast, but maybe not, not <laughs> so long, no longer. So, uh, Luke, we are talking about creeds, statements of faith, and confessions, and we're not going to really like we're what we're <laughs> she called you pukey. So we're not actually going to like go through each one of these things. Like there are a, a number of creeds, man, a number of of confessions of faith and statements of faith out there. We have our own statement of faith here within the Advent Christian denomination. Um, but we're going to look at the purpose of, of what they are, uh, how they can be used in the local church and, and uh, for, you know, higher than that. So Luke, yes. what's a statement of faith? What's a creed? What is a confession of faith? Do you want me to find all three of them or generally what do all those things do? There are three different things, although they're similar. There are some overlaps. So uh, what? how would you define each one? And then I'll correct you once you're wrong. Oh, okay. Well, you are going to have to correct me because uh, I, I haven't – I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to actually get the differences right. Okay. Well, hey, is this the first time Lindsay Copeland's joining us? Is she, she – look at – wow. I feel so supported. Look, I thought you've been lying that you've been married this whole time. <laughs> Is is this one of those cases where if it's not on Bible banter, it doesn't count? That that's exactly it. So if, if we are now, it's Facebook official. Uh, Luke has a wife, which we <laughs> just found out about. So welcome, Lindsay. 
uh, I hate your Linz, I'm glad you're here. I don't know if you picked the right show to try us because today's going to be very interesting. Uh, it's Potpourri Day, so we're going to be all over the place. There's a first time for everything. Man, I, I just feel so much love and support right now. It's overwhelming. So I don't know if she chimed in. I don't know if she chimed in for my joke that I shared about my wife, but you are more than welcome to use it later on. Yeah, uh, that's the difference between you and me. I think or that right there is the jokes I choose to make to my wife. Uh, I, you know, I'm I'm so overwhelmed with love and support. I think I'm gonna have to let you define those three words. <laughs> okay, so uh, this is not going to be about Catholicism, Mike, Alex. <laughs> However, it is interesting. When I first introduced the Blessed Hype Catechism to my church when I first got here, so we walked through on our Wednesday night Bible studies, I walked through the first section, uh, which is all about God, which is the most important part, um, uh, with my church. And you'd be surprised. Everybody had never, they, their only understanding of a catechism was it's something that Catholics did. So Roman Catholics. Now, pulpery is a whole nother thing, Mike, Alex. That's something that we can probably talk about as we read more of Calvin and Luther. Anyway, a statement of faith is usually a broad statement of this is what we believe. So it's so it's a it's a summary of doctrines that we hold together as a people. Um, this is what defines our faith, but it's more broad. Um, and then you have the creeds. What we often look at what, when we refer to the creeds is we look at the ecumenical creeds, which include the Nicene Apostles and Athanasian Creed. Ath Athanasian Creed. Um, Nicene in, in Athanasian creeds speak specifically to the Trinity and, and seek to define the Trinity. And uh, what we look at in those two creeds is those define what an Orthodox belief regarding uh, the nature of God is. And then the Apostles' Creed is a, typically we look at that as a, the first real statement of faith that we have been given uh, uh, since uh, since the foundation of the faith. So it's so it's a bit more uh, brought, hits on more things than just the Trinity. And then we have confessions of faith, which are far narrower than um, the other two. So they actually get into the nitty gritty. They're usually 20 to 30 chapters, maybe longer. The most uh, the most widely read now is probably the Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, you have the Belgic Confession. Um, you know, you have all those things. In fact, they, they come across in a couple of different streams. You have the Continental Reformed, which come from Continental Europe. So like the Dutch Reformed and, and such like that. There's the Heidelberg Catechism, the Hungarian Confession, the Wittenberg Catechism, um, which is, you know, kind of falls under those things. Uh, the Canons of Dort in the Three Forms of Unity, the Heidelberg Catechism. Catechism. I already mentioned that one. And then you have the Presbyterian stream of, of confessions of faith. That's where you have the Scots Confession, the Westminster Standards, which include um, the Confession of Faith and the Shorter and Larger Catechisms. And then you have Congregationalist um, state or confessions of faith, which include uh, the most prominent would be the Savoy Declaration, which actually um, Berkshire Institute for Christian Studies or BICS which I don't know if Andy Rice is listening to, they have one in which they signed on to 30 years ago. It was actually sent to me a couple of years ago by um, President Steve Brown or now 
President Emeritus Steve Brown, which is a tremendous work. They actually altered it so that it was accepting of Advent Christian views of conditional immortality. And there's also uh, the Baptist Confessions of Faith, most prominently the 1689 version, or the ah, second, hence, second Baptist confession, confession. Hence your moniker today. Yeah. So, so, and I, I've read, I haven't read all of the confessions. I, um, I've read parts of the Westminster. I've read all of the Savoy Declaration, the New Hampshire um, Confession, and also the 1689 or Savoy Eric, I think I think we're gonna have to uh, revisit Trinitarian Trinitarianism sometime in the near future. We've got a Unitarian in the chat, or at mm. least a, at least a, a potential Unitarian. Okay. We won't try to tackle that today, but Brian, we will revisit that in a in a near future podcast. I don't know, Andy. Is Andy just put like a is that a clapping thing? Like the I'm about to tell you something really important. Like when you use that clapping emoji that people are like it's supposed to be a statement of how serious you are and how or how serious i am and how stupid you are is that what the the emoji is supposed to mean i thought so i, I thought it, i thought it was like agreement like andy's also unitarian oh i don't Someone think i want to call the board over at bix he's you know he's the president <laughs> he's el jefe um over 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 there at bix so and, uh, I didn't I didn't mean to cast aspersions upon you. I just honestly don't know what what I thought I knew what that the hand thing meant, but maybe I don't. I thought it was you clapped agreement. I thought that was what that meant. I know I know for sure it's a clap back. Mike, would you mind sharing with us, giving us a, a definition of a clap back? I don't think we're woke enough for All right. in that. But I can tell you this: Andy is not a universalist. Let's not let's not say that. I know Andy very well. He is a great brother in Christ and a very wise theologian but but brian i appreciate you being open about that kind of thing i think one thing that's important in order to have proper theological discussion is to uh be open and honest about our theological views and i think i refuse to virtue oh it's a virtue signaling thing okay all right i don't know who he was virtue signaling but something like that uh but we're confused but we will we will we will have an episode in the near future talking about trinitarianism versus unitarianism look it's a very relevant subject given our denomination yeah well yeah and i have to tame myself here for a moment um the let's get back to the creeds the confessions yeah. Yeah. And, and, and all that me, the me, reason we have these things is they put they they define who they are an articulation of what we believe the Bible says. Yes. So they are only as effective as they reveal what the Bible says. So it's almost like this. When I tell someone when they want to start learning theology and, and, and understanding the different categories and what the Bible is teaching systematically, there are two things that are really great places to start. The confessions and catechisms. I don't. <laughs> okay, Mike is on a different level today. He is he is playing three D chess while Eric and I are are eating checkers. <laughs> I, I don't want to virtue signal myself by pretending to know what a clapback real. Okay, Andy, if you're still here after you know we we made horrible theological insinuations about you, it was no, also no, we didn't. You did. No, no, no. This is this is a team effort here, Eric. Andy, please tell us what the clapping means, because I we genuinely have no idea. Uh, let me ask you this, Eric. Do you think it, it's um, 
like a good description to say that creeds, confessions, and statement of faiths are in some sense a distillation of the scriptures? Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I think that's and they're effective. They're effective at saying when we know when someone says, "I'm a 1689 Baptist," I know exactly what that means. When someone's a so when someone's a Presbyterian, and they say, you know, I, I ascribe to the Westminster Catech or Confession of Faith without exception, I go, I know where you're coming from. But if, but it's um, pretty sure the clapping hands emoji refers to get this clapping. Well, <laughs> Let the record show. That's exactly what I said. It means clapping. Okay. Anyway. Andy, Andy the problem is we don't know what you were clapping. Yeah. Yeah. Andy. We don't know if you were clapping uh, universalism or if you were clapping. Well, hold on. Hold on. He, he didn't. He, Brian didn't say I might be a universalist. He said I might be a Unitarian. So let's let's be clear. By the way, Moose just uh, Moose just posted nothing. It just his name showed up. Moose, if you are just tuning in, you just won the, the book. The, the book that we're raffling off today. So congratulations. Oh, yeah. Who won the book? Yeah. Um, so again, back to the creeds, confessions, and, and statements of faith. They're effective because we know where people are coming from. Right, right. Well, I, I think, too, they – look, we are, we are part of a, a denomination that has a pretty decent chunk of people who sort of have this, um, funny enough, creed of no creed but the Bible. The problem is you can have two people sitting in the room in a room together who both say, I believe the Bible, but one of them um, denies the divinity of Christ, denies any sort of moral law regarding sexuality, uh, denies the exclusivity of Christ when it comes to salvation. And so you can the problem with, OK, we both believe the Bible is you can have two people sitting in the room holding the same book and but but proclaiming completely different beliefs. So what? creeds, confessions, and statements of faith do is they actually draw lines in the sand so that we can understand, um, are, are we in common cause or in common belief with this person? And good, as you mentioned, Eric, the, the, the good creeds, the good confessions of faith, and the good statements of faith, they really are based on the teaching of scripture. So it's not so much that we're constructing something else it's that we're saying, okay, we believe the Bible, but here's specifically what we believe the Bible teaches when it comes to the essential things of the faith. Yeah, that's right. And that's why, like, I'm pro, I, I'm pro confessions. I'm pro creeds. Uh, in fact, I know, I know most people consider that if you reject uh, the three ecumenical creeds, that, that those are the bounds, or at least those are the beginning bounds of orthodoxy that if you can't agree to those things, that you are uh, at best heterodox, at worst uh, heretical. Right. So that's now, kind of, you know, that's, yeah. Now, Eric, it is potpourri day, and Brian's pressing us a little bit on this Trinitarianism. So are we going to make a decision? Are we going to save this for another day, or do we want to fire I back? I think because it is such a great uh, issue within our denomination, it's something that deserves its entire show. Okay. It might, it might you know what, it might need... Uh, three shows well i i know i know for sure we need to bring back uh we need to bring on a non-creedalist at some point but that's not so much a trinitarian conversation as a conversation about creeds i would say um maybe maybe even next tuesday or our next show we should devote a show to um trinitarianism next three shows 
next three show. Well, we've got a couple really cool special guests coming on that I don't we, want. To... We do have some. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We have one special guest. We have one that we're trying to get. We have two. Do we? We do. Well, I'll tell you about it later. Okay. All right. Um, Luke's setting things up, man, without without letting me know. It's okay. I like it. Um, look, so... look at Bickford agrees with me. Therefore, I must be right. Yeah. Who disagreed with you? I didn't disagree with you. No, no one disagreed with me. I'm just saying Bickford is the standard for faith and practice in my my understanding. <laughs> that's that's what I have all and yeah, yeah. Anyway. So how can we use these within the local church? Like should we use them in the local church? Should we use them um I mean denominationally? Uh so we already have a statement of faith as a denomination, but because of the nature of our denomination, it's non-binding. Mm-hmm. So Again, we, we are still in a denomination where you can be Muslim and be an Advent Christian, which is insane to me. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So our, our denomination has a statement of faith, and then uh, our church has one as well. Does your church have its own, or do you use what? Uh, we, do, we do have one. We actually went through it in a Bible study. There, we found, like, the people, and this is how it was, it was really good for us to do it, because most hadn't even read it before. So we went through it, noticed some things that were kind of like, ooh, that could be worded a bit differently. So there could be a time uh, in the future that we readdress our own statement of faith and, and revise it. So, and it would reflect, it would reflect, uh, it would have to encompass what our denomination believes. So, Okay. Yeah. So I, I think the value of these sort of statements of faith in the local church, which is what we're going to be focusing on for the next few minutes, is... They, they really serve, I think, uh, in three really helpful ways. Number one, they're really helpful for new members because it's a great way of laying out someone, okay, you want to join the church? Well, here's what the church believes. Yeah. Um, number two, they're really effective for raising up people in the faith. So whether that's uh, a child, whether it's a new Christian, they're a great basis for establishing a foundation of belief upon which to build as they continue on their study of scripture and of theology. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, and this is the bit that I think, at least in some of our circles, is the most controversial, but in some ways is the most important, is it really does serve to establish dividing lines. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, we don't necessarily hold up every single facet of our statement of faith as either you're with us or against us. Uh, we've talked before about ecumenism, uh, or sorry, ecumenicalism. And certainly uh, there are first tier, second tier, third tier issues. Uh, But for example, you know, there are some things that we won't do with pay to Baptists. Namely, we won't baptize with them. Uh, There are some things that we won't do with Unitarians. Namely, we won't worship with them. Uh, And there are some things that we won't do uh, with various other groups, depending on which parts of uh, our statement of faith they either agree or do not agree with and having something formal that you can use to draw those dividing lines, I think, I think is really helpful because the, the simple reality is um, there, we, we want to serve alongside anyone in our community who will serve. So if we're feeding the poor, we're not asking people for, for their theological agreements, right? If, on the other hand, we are having... I am, I ask every homeless person I come across, like, do you believe in the Trinity or not? No. No <laughs> food, no soup for you. If, on the other hand, uh, we're, we're having like a community service and we're partaking in communion together, 
now now it really matters that we believe the same thing about that. Mm-hmm. So I think it does those three things. Yeah. No, uh, I got nothing to add, Luke. I mean, that's tremendous. Uh, that, that's quite thorough. So yeah. in the local church, it is incredibly important. It is, it's a teaching tool. It's something that articulates what we believe because what are you? we're united in faith. We're united by the blood of Christ and what he has taught us, what has been handed down. And we read throughout scripture that we're continually learning about Christ, learning who he is. And as such, we are refining what we believe. But we do make a statement. This is what we believe. If you look at someone's um, statement of faith and you disagree with it, why would you want, why, what, what's the purpose in joining that church? There isn't. Go, go to a place in which you can uh, unabashedly worship alongside and, and, and serve with them. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and, and the other thing too is, um, the other thing you have to balance when, whenever you're you're reading a statement of faith and assessing how much uh, there is agreement is you're also having to assess priorities. So one of the reasons that the Trinitarian Unitarian issue, which we're not going to get into today, but we will, the, the reason it's so important is because that is like essential foundational nature of Christ stuff, as opposed to, for example, um, the role of men and women, which obviously we think is important because we think everything the scriptures teach is important, but it, that's not quite the same level when it comes to foundational nature of Christ, nature of salvation sorts of things. And so you might look at a church's statement of faith and say, I agree on the first tier. Don't know about the second tier because I'm not sure where you put that, Eric. But then you get to maybe a third tier issue. So maybe a better example would be um I, I consider sleep of the dead sort of a third tier issue, even though I think the scriptures clearly teach it. Mm-hmm. I just don't see tons of consequences for when people get that wrong. Um, so then would I, so for example, I, I have Baptists who are members of my church and I've made it, I've made it very clear to them. Hey, here's what our church believes. Here are the things that I think you really need to agree with to join us. Here are the things I just need you to understand. And so there were Baptists who looked at our statement of faith and said, okay, I'm with you on this stuff. I don't agree here, but I understand what you're what you're going to teach, and then we bring them into our fellowship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, you know, you brought the women in ministry or the role of of women in ministry up. Um, I look at that as a second tier issue. Uh, I look at the first tier as this is what makes you a Christian. Second tier is this is what these are the things that you must believe to be a part of our church or or the things that unify us there. And then on the third level, these are things that we sh- uh, show a great deal of charity in and mm-hmm. remain a part of the church. Yeah. So I look at, because you're talking about how people lead in the church, like the, you're talking about church structure, essentially, that's a second tier issue. You know, that's not a third tier issue. But when you're talking about, you know, post-millennialism or pre-millennialism or, um, you know, God's people are amillennialists, that, um, you know, that, that's a third tier issue. <laughs> um so yeah i'm with you man but now how how do we interact with churches um you know we have a particular issue with our denomination right so when i was with the southern baptist convention i knew what other churches believed on most things right so we we had agreement we had the the baptist faith and message which was you know it, it it wasn't the greatest statement um of faith and it's quite long but it was something, and you know, largely the the biggest issue within the SBC was uh, Arminianism versus Calvinism. So, 
you kind of knew which churches were Calvinist, which ones were Armenians, and you typically stayed within your camp. Um, yeah. But you still worked together in other areas. But yeah. usually Reformed pastors would go to the Reformed churches. The Armenian pastors would go to the heretical churches. And um, you just can't help yourself. You can't help yourself. Um, Pama, uh, we're, we're going to have future shows on this issue. But if you're interested in learning more right now, I recommend that you reach out to either John Roller or David Dean. Those are the two sort of leading voices in the non-credal um, camp of our denomination and both very very intelligent guys who'd be able to explain to you pretty clearly why they they take that view obviously eric and i think they're wrong but hopefully in the future we'll um we'll be able to have some of those conversations with them and just because we think someone's wrong doesn't mean we don't like them we have to preface that because in today's yeah. society that oh, is oh goodness gracious john roller's one of my favorite people if not for the fact that eric is so good with the technology i would just kick him off the show and have john on every week mm-hmm. Yeah, so Moose Moose asked a good question. Can those who agree with our AC things teach or lead when they don't hold to what we believe? And I think uh, Moose, specifically about the distinctives here. Yeah, so so let me speak to this because I did have a when I, when we went through, you know, I shared we went through our statement of faith uh, in our Wednesday night Bible study. I had uh, a couple come up to me, and they were very upset. They're like, we, you know we don't believe these things, you know, the, the distinctives, they were raised in, in a different type of church. And they asked like, do we need to leave? Do we need to step down from leadership? And I assured them like, no, for, please do not leave. And they've been in the church for a long time. Um, do not leave over this. Uh, if you're okay with it. I mean, this is a third tier issue. This is not, um, it does make our denomination unique in a way but oftentimes when you tout your uniqueness, you're missing out on the blessings of, of so many others. Mm. So, um, yeah, it does make us unique, but it also, um, you know, think about this. Our denomination is declining at a rapid pace. I don't think what makes us unique is necessarily um, working in seeing us spread the gospel. But, 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 this is, but this is where I think there is a bit of a generational gap here, Eric. And I know sometimes you have different views on these things because you came from outside the denomination. But I was raised in the denomination, and I feel very similarly to you, where I believe the Advent Christian distinctives. And I think we should teach them because I think the Bible teaches them. But I do not hold them nearly as highly in terms of priority as I think some of the Advent Christians of the past did. And, I, and that really is one of the things that I think we're having to come to terms with. I, I appreciate um, Bigford's question. What are the AC things? I yeah. think that really that, that is really up, up in the air right now. It's in contention. At this point, it's conditional immortality and nothing else. Because at one time, it was the soon return of Christ and the new heavens and new earth. That was an aspect. But now that's kind of been thrusted into popular evangelical theology, at least in reformed camps. Um, so the, the, in the Reformed camps, uh, that is a, a largely held belief for many. Uh, many of your popular teachers believe in the new heavens and the new earth and the yeah. soon return of Christ. And, and, and it could be. I mean, I'm look, I, I have hope for the future of the Advent Christian denomination. I'm here in an Advent Christian church. Mm-hmm. However, it could be that that was the purpose for which God used our denomination, was to reinvigorate belief in the imminence mm-hmm. of the coming of Christ. Because in my view, that is the key distinctive. A lot of times we sort of put emphasis on the other ones, and I believe the other ones. I think the scripture clearly teaches the other ones, but but the the to me the most important distinctive of the Advent Christian 
Calvin Christians is the imminence of the coming of Christ. And we have seen that that grow out of our movement. And and Bickford brings up another thing, but is it really CI? Is it really conditional immortality? We have ordained pastors who do not hold to it. He's a hundred percent right. I mean, here and here's one of the struggles that we have, right? As as a as a denomination. And I don't think this was really our intent to get on this track. Um you know, today, but it's poopery day. (laughs) It's poopery day, and it's what the people want to talk about because it's what everyone's thinking about. Yeah, so the the interesting thing is, you know, we do have pastors that don't hold to conditional immortality. We have uh, leaders in our churches who don't hold to conditional immortality. We don't. Again, we have a declaration of principles, as, as Bickford rightly points out. We have a statement of faith, like he rightly points out, but they're non-binding. They're non-binding. So you and because our conferences ordain, and each one has different standards, then you don't have, um, you know, you can't predict what someone's going to learn at another church that you've never heard about. You know, so like, so I've always made this comparison. Um, I could when I was a when I was in the Southern Baptist Convention, I could um, suggest other Southern Baptist churches based on. Um, they're Southern Baptists. I have a general idea of what they're going to teach. And uh, I can even look at their website and see where, what way their pastor leans. And I can say with good confidence, yeah, this would be a fine church for you. We don't really have that in our denomination. So like I, I've been, you know, I, I've had people ask me like, would you recommend a church in this area or that area? And I go like, no, I, I know their pastor. Like he's a nice guy. I disagree with him on too many core issues. Like I'm not, I'd, I'll recommend the Presbyterian church before I'll recommend that Advent Christian church. So because at least in the Presbyterians, um, they, they are ordained. They go through, they go through a gauntlet to be ordained. Mm-hmm. And uh, as such, they're held to such a high standard doctrinally. Mm-hmm. They, they are held to the Westminster confession of faith and, and the Westminster standards. So um, you can look at that and go, I know they're going to teach, uh, teach good stuff. But, th- uh, but this is where I want to bring it back to the local church before we close this discussion, um, which is the, the reality right now. And I know you have sort of some feelings about this. I, I probably am, am not quite in the same place that you are, but I understand the concerns about it. The simple reality right now is that um, the Advent Christian Church as a whole is doctrine is really determined church to church. Right. Mm-hmm. It's really up to which is why having a statement of faith, especially as an Advent Christian church, is so important. Yeah. It, it's important. And one thing that's been mentioned, uh, you know, Moose has mentioned some of Advent Christian leaders uh, in churches and their views. It's really important to have a clear grasp of your statement of faith in your hiring process mm-hmm. so, so that you're not hiring a leader who, who views these things differently than your church does. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Moose, you offer a great comment, and I want to touch on that here in a moment. But I, I, this is something that's kind of just come to mind as we're talking about this, right? Because we are talking about, you know, statements of faith within the local church, but the ones who are usually the theological experts are the ones who are the pastors. They're usually trained in Bible colleges and seminaries, and, and they're the ones who are talking with other pastors, and they should be sharpening iron, right? So you and I are part of a group that meets on Wednesdays of younger pastors, and we're being led by a recently retired pastor in, and right now we're talking about the atonement, right? So that's what we're focusing on. We're studying that together. And 
arguing back and forth and it's been great conversations seeing um seeing luke being proven wrong by more than just me in so many different ways uh, <laughs> i'm kidding but we you know so these are things we're we're in this circle right so we it's kind of like a doctor they're the ones who are reading uh, all the medical journals you know so uh, you know as pastors we're the ones who are reading all the journal articles and all this other stuff doing other all, all the research so we're the ones who are also most prominent in the church and that we teach weekly, right? So we teach one, two, three, four, five times a week. If we're Charles Spurgeon, we're preaching seven to 10 times a week. So we're the ones who are, who are um, teaching people the word of God and um, our standards for ordination are some of the lowest in any other denomination I've ever heard of. Right. So we have the we have the lowest standards. Let, let me let me pause for a minute. So obviously denominationally, that's the case. I would just say say a quick word uh, of uh, of optimism, at least in in localities where the my process for ordination, I was grilled, mm-hmm. I mean, really grilled. So I don't know if that's happening everywhere, but at least there are some conferences where that's the case. Well, and I can say I got ordained in, in Massachusetts in the Heritage Conference, and two of my friends were on the ordination council. Actually, Andy and, and um, Bickford were on it. And I will tell you, the the process, they grilled me years before I even made it to, to ordination. So, um, and it was good. It was helpful. And they helped me flesh out my own views theologically, and they got to ask critical questions uh, so that once we got to the ordination board, uh, now they did ask some some things that that were challenging, um, some things I hadn't considered, and all this other stuff. And it was good; it was helpful. But they're able to now, in good conscience, go, "Man, this guy is ready for ministry. He's called and he's equipped." And um, I, you know, I haven't experienced ordination committees anywhere else, but I've only heard, you know, stories of what other people have experienced and going, "Yeah, it's pretty much you walk in, you walk out, and it's just it's hardly anything." So. Um, our standards are low, but the good thing is the denomination has recognized that. I know that people are talking about trying to have a greater, um, a, a greater uh, standard across the board. So we'll have a minimum standard so that your credentials can be transferred. Um, and but we also so even if you don't have great standards in your local conference, okay? Let's say let's say that's acceptable. Let's say that. You know, ordination is just kind of a stamp of, uh, of approval. Yeah, this guy's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, that would be almost okay if we still had, if we were getting our pastors through a process like a Bible college or seminary, right? So it's like if you know someone goes to Westminster Theological Seminary, like, like our good friend Nathaniel Bickford did, you kind of know what you're going to get. Someone going to Berkshire Christian College, when they come out, for the most part, you kind of know what you're going to get. Um, because our pastors are trained from so many different seminaries and so many different Bible colleges, and not all Bible colleges or seminaries are created equal, um, you don't necessarily know what you're going to get. So that's important. Now, other layers of protection for our people include statements of faith. They include confessions of faith and, and the creeds. But Again, the ones that we do have in place are non-binding. That's why I jokingly, but I'm kind of, I say it tongue-in-cheek. I, I mean it as a joke, but I also am serious about it. You can look at our declaration of principles. You can look at our statement of faith. 
And because they're non-binding, you could be ordained in some conferences as a Muslim. I mean, just if you look at the facts. Now, they might say no when you walk in with your man jams on, right? Um, that's isn't, what we call, isn't, that's that, isn't that isn't that profiling? I feel like that's that's no longer a socially acceptable thing to do. What? To, to profile someone by the way that they look. Don't judge someone as Muslim just because they're wearing Muslim garb and speaking Muslim language and, and, and uttering Muslim theology. Be a little tolerant, please, Eric. Oh, my goodness. So that, that's, kind of, that's kind of the situation in which we find ourselves. So now we got to go, all right, how do we plot the way forward? Now, here's the exciting thing, Luke. You want to hear the exciting thing? I would love to. We have great men and women in positions of leadership in our denomination that I have the utmost faith and respect for that I think are working towards getting us in a, in a much better place. Um, you know, I know a lot of the folks over at ACGC uh, as friends, as well as colleagues. I know of the, you, you know, you look at the conservative revolution that transpired within the Southern Baptist Convention in the 80s and 90s. You know how they did it? They got, they got conservative um, theologians as their president of their denomination and presidents of their seminaries. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you, so, you, so you look at, the educational institutions and you look at the the ecclesiastical institutions and i think that at the at the top and at our educational institutions we have that so now it's trying to see all of these wonderful men and women come together and help lead us uh moving forward so you can add that to your prayer list too i feel like this this has been fun but i feel like we've sort of veered away from the intended topic although it's potpourri day so that's acceptable potpourri. Do we want to do we want to move into the AMA section for the last few minutes before we do I the feel like we've been doing AMAs the whole the whole thing. So so the la- the last ten, AMA. The last 10 minutes before we do the creed, we did want to open things up for an AMA that means ask me anything. So Eric and I for the next 10 minutes are at your mercy. You can ask any question. We're not necessarily obligated to answer it, but we will try to. And it could be a personal question. It could be a theological question. It could be a cultural question. Anything goes. Ready. Yeah. Now, if it's, a, if it's a question about the Trinity, we're going to save that for an episode. Yes, that, that, that deserves its own thing. Yeah. Um, while we're waiting for them to come up with a question, why don't we each come up with a question to ask each other? Okay. Uh, I have a question for you. Okay. All right. Luke, do you still get uh do, do people people still think that you're a woman because you don't have a beard all right a great question from nancy have any of you sense <laughs> being reluctant due to the word advent being part of your church name yes i <laughs> andy with the class <laughs> Dude, andy is he's low-key he's, he's low-key hip on all the things that um, are yeah uh nathaniel you you have to specify is it um a european or an african swallow yeah to, to nancy, get, get right bigford to nancy's question uh, at least in my experience yes i have had some of those conversations not necessarily at the church i'm currently at but at some other Advent christian churches and the concern of course is our confusion with the seventh day adventists and of course, that it's actually sort of relevant to what we've been talking about. That's a great example for why statements of faith are important, because Seventh-day Adventists would say, we believe the Bible too. But then once you start understanding what it is they actually believe, 
not only are they different, I think you could make an argument about whether or not you can even consider them to be Christians. Uh, You're right. Well, at least when, when you dig into their understanding of the nature of Christ. Uh, so, yes, I have had some people express some concern about that. And I think the question is, is the solution to that problem to rename our churches or is it to reclaim the term Advent? I honestly don't know. Uh, and I will say that you and I live or we serve in, in places that are the most Advent Christian in maybe the entire world. Right. So you live in in Lenore. I in and I serve in Johnston County and we both are in places where Advent Christian is not a cuss word, right? No one no one really confuses us with being the Seventh day Adventist church. People have uh, grown up. Well I, I I don't I don't know though, Eric. I've there are people here even here in Lenore where there's like nine, you know, an Advent Christian church in every corner who um I, I, you know, just a conversation in passing, I did have to clarify to them. Okay. I Are they someone who grew up there their entire lives? Who grew up in Lenore? Yeah. Um, not necessarily, no. So that's what so that's what I've I've encountered, right? So those folks who have lived in Johnston County their whole lives, no big deal with the with the name Advent. Right. But those who are new to the area, and we are a growing area. It's a place where we're getting a lot of folks from the Raleigh area because we're about 25 to 30 minutes outside of Raleigh. So a lot of people were kind of in a community or a bedroom community. So a lot of people are moving from the northeast. Uh, Pacific Northwest and other places where one they aren't very Christian to begin with, and then they move here and all they know, like all I knew growing up was Seventh Day Adventists were a cult. That's all I knew. So like when I went to my first Advent Christian church, um, my last one that I was at, I was very clear, like, hey, I want to know that you guys aren't a cult. Prove me that you're not. Um, <laughs> so you know, I was very concerned. Uh, and that was me in a job interview. <laughs> so, you know, you, you, that's important. Um, so there you go. What, what, what's your take on this issue? Cause I've heard some interesting suggestions from Advent Christians uh, as far as like what the new name should be. Do you, do you think we should be concerned about that confusion or is it better to sort of own that word and clarify whenever we can? So it's kind of like if, if uh, what are, I had I had a soldier when I was in the army. His last name was Dookie. Okay, uh, his last name was Dookie. Now you have to figure like he got a rash of Dookie. All right. Now you it's you have to figure like there's no amount of reclaiming that Dookie can do with his name to not be associated with human excrement, right? Like, that's just what people are going to think when they hear of his name. That's an unfortunate thing. Now, we need to consider, is there any way that we can possibly reclaim that name? Hmm. I, I, you know, I'm not an expert in, in marketing or anything like that, um, but that's probably a marketing issue. And I'm not someone who thinks that we need to overly market the church or anything like that. But, you know, you do if, if the perception is Advent is bad, then you have to consider it. So... Um, we look at, you know, the denomination that we've been partnering with, with in the last couple of years as a, as our, from our denomination to theirs is Converge. They used to be, I believe, the Northern Baptist or, or something along those lines. They were or General Baptist, but they, they viewed Baptist as a term that was unhelpful to their mission. So they changed and in, in, in titled their denomination as Converge, so that they were 
um, their approach was more missions oriented and more movement oriented, which is what they thought Converge conveyed in their name. So it is worth us, I think, exploring um, and, and it might help it, it very well. And it might it, it might help in that it gives us a renewed sense of confidence moving forward as well. Like we're getting a fresh start because if anything, we do need a fresh start. I like Moose's Moose's suggestion. Let's just call ourselves AC churches and then people who want to cool down will all come. Man, I like Moose. We should we should see if they have any openings at ACGC, see if we can get them a job. Hey, I, I have a suggestion. Why don't we give them a free book? You know what? We should give Moose a free book. How about this one right here? Experiencing the Trinity by Joe Thorne. <laughs> what do you think um, of the idea of moving the head office back to the north? What do I think of it personally? No, because I don't want to drive that far for Triennial. Why would we move it to the north? I think there's a sense that uh, northeast is sort of the the original home of Adventism. Well, that, that, it, that would be factually correct, but I don't think we've ever had a headquarters in the Northeast. So I'd have to, but what's the point? The, it's not like the building isn't paid for, um, at least from what I know. Tom's, Tom's on the executive council. He's, the, he's, he's El Jefe for us in, in, in Evan Christian Voices. So he might have some insight as to whether or not there's a mortgage payment on the building down there, but I'm pretty sure everything was donated. So I don't think that sounds like we've a good got, business move. We've, we've got some interesting varied views on sort of names and name changes. I I I, won, I wonder if uh, I wonder I wonder if that's something that we could maybe discuss in the future is what's in the name? Have a Shakespeare discussion about the Evan Christians. What would you okay, you have three seconds to think about it. Yeah. What would the new name of the denomination be then? Second Coming Baptist? <laughs> Second coming Baptist. No, no, no. Second coming Bible Baptist. <laughs> oh, that sounds like it's straight from the 90s. <laughs> uh, I, I, no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. I've got it now. Second coming Bible Baptist, incoherent on the nature of Christ. I'm from church to... Yeah, there we got too many things. Let's go with second coming Bible Baptist. Second coming Bible... Is there a different type of Baptist? Yeah, the, the first coming Bible Baptists. No, I mean, why do you have to add the Bible in there? Well, we got to be clear about what our creed is. No creed but the Yes. Is that? Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, Bick, Bickford, Bickford's chiming in. Trennial has been all over the country. Uh, yes, it has in the past. Depends on where you live and who you're talking to. It'd never be a problem at Attleboro, Mass. Uh People that asked me about it because they had no idea what it meant or even what the church was, it was a great way to present the gospel. That's a that's a good point, Bickford. That maybe if you're in a community where there's uh, a real Seventh Day Adventist presence and there's lots of confusion, it would it would be worth community church. I, I've seen a lot of Evan Christian churches go that route. Nobody's saying that our denomination should be referred to as community church. How about just community? Let's just call it community. We can hire Joel Osman to to uh, be our our head speaker, Joel, Joel McHale. Who? What are you talking about? I just, I just combined Haley, Joel, Osmond, and Joel McHale into one person. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we should call ourselves the Blessed Hypes. Oh, I, I kind of like Millerites. That's, that's got a ring to it. You know, the funny thing is, is that uh, did you know that Billy Miller was a, um, was a Calvinist Baptist? 
Billy Miller. Is he related to Will? Oh, <laughs> you, <laughs> you didn't even know who I was talking about. I told you I give a little nicknames to people. Oh, I'm never gonna live. Annihilation of the Wicked. I think that sounds like a great band name. Yes, actually, I, I I was I was aware of of William Miller's theological history. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's just interesting because typically <laughs> I just said that. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a metal band name. I, I literally just said that. Are you just repeating everything that I said? I mean, Wait, saying? did you really did you really say that? Yes. I agree. I I agree. My goodness. I'm sorry. I was too busy feeling embarrassed that I didn't know who Billy Miller was. You shouldn't feel embarrassed. I, I got confused because I I thought I didn't know if you were making a joke about Billy Mills, the guy who won the uh, the 1940 something Olympic marathon. <laughs> Why would I be making? Uh, how would I even know who won a 1940s Olympic marathon? I'm just saying, Billy Miller sounds like Billy Mills. How do you know who won a 1940s Olympic marathon? Our illustrious pastor at his best. <laughs> you know you know eric there i have there are now people from my congregation who watch this show and they have to take me seriously when i get up to preach on sunday so maybe i should stop while i'm ahead so does that mean i should be kinder to you i don't know i don't know if kindness would have helped me today i kind of stepped right in it <laughs> um you know i i had someone i had someone message me last night and just they were sharing their appreciation for the show and uh they said, you know, I kind of know, you know, I know um, Luke a little bit, but I don't really know you. I just wanted to share how much I appreciate what you guys are doing. And then, you know what I did, Luke? I gave him about three paragraphs of how much I appreciate about you. About me? Yeah, man. I just, I just want you to know that. I want you to hear that on air. That I actually, I, I do, I give you a hard time, but I appreciate you, Luke. I'm so touched. Wow. I think, I think you're a wise. I think you're insightful. You, uh, you know, I'd say you're well-read, but I don't want to lie. But you engage with other ideas very well. Oh, thank you. While you're being really sweet, the comment section is just out of control today. So I think we, we should go ahead and go to the, uh, the catechism. <clears throat> Have I ever written something like that for my wife? Uh, actually, yes, Mike. And I often refer to my wife in... Bible studies and all this other stuff as an example of how um, Christ loves us and how we love him. And I yes, think yes. glowingly about her. And in those Bible studies, he refers to his wife as the dishwasher. No, that's just in private. Well, I guess I said it here, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been better if I, if I said that to the kids because I, I try to make the kids do as many chores as possible. Um, anyway. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out why Moose thinks he's not going to heaven. That there's there was a joke made somewhere that I missed. I think we just got to move on. But I'm I'm perplexed. Well, Moose, if you're, if you're, if you're fear of not going to heaven, Moose, guess what? This book that you have won today because you are a member of the Banter Club will definitely help uh, educate you on why you are going to heaven. And no. How Glenn, no, you are not going to order more books from my office. I have spent almost two years now getting rid of books in my office, and I will continue to get rid of books in my office until there are no more books in my office. However, Glenn, you are more than welcome to buy me books at your next business meeting. <laughs> um, you can send them to 1232 Hickory Grove Church Road, Four Oaks, North Carolina. I cannot wait. 
to be part of that business meeting when Glenn makes a motion <laughs> to buy books for Hickory Grove Avenue Christian Church. Yeah. Ooh, new new earth. It sounds a little bit too hippie. Now, now people are gonna think that we're like tree huggers. But I like, I like that new new heavens and new earth Christian church. Man, is Nancy is Nancy one of the members of your church too? No, no. I actually okay. I don't I don't know if I've even met Nancy. Something I, I, she asked she asked if Proverbs thirty one said anything about dishwasher as a subject for women. No, I don't think it does. Yes, Pama, it's true. Wives and children are always fair game for illustrations. I know that well. Yeah. Because what did it did it make you cringe? Uh like when your dad would use you as an illustration? If it did, I don't really remember it. I see I was pretty well behaved. So most of the time when I was an illustration, it wasn't an embarrassing story. So I didn't I didn't think much of it. I try not to tell I don't think I tell embarrassing stories. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want someone to tell embarrassing stories without my permission, and I and I try not to do that with others. Last night wasn't an embarrassing story; it was just a funny joke. <laughs> uh, catechism. What's that? Catechism. Yeah, you know. Hey, talking what, about the catechism, catechism. A catechism. It's a. It's a statement of questions and answers that establishes the basic beliefs of a church or a religious organization. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, so I would, uh, if you are, first off, if you haven't gotten the the, the Blessed Hope Catechism, uh, I don't know what's stopping you. You can get it at ACGC or on Amazon. Just look it up, Blessed Hope Catechism. And they have actually a summary statement in the beginning of the book, uh, almost like a statement of faith. And uh, it's quite good. I encourage you to read it. Um, I'm always a proponent of us adopting a more uh, robust statement of faith or confession of faith as a denomination as well as local churches. Um, but to be honest, this right here, if we could just all agree and all sign on to, yes, we believe what is in uh, this book that it properly summarizes what the Bible teaches, I'd be happy with that because this catechism is, is good. So we're, we're looking at question and answer 23. Okay. Uh, so it's not going to be at the bottom of your screen, but the question is, in what condition did God make Adam and Eve? He made them holy and happy. Very, very good, Lukey. <laughs> um, Genesis one thirty one says, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Obviously, referring to Adam and Eve, or Adam particularly. Um, they were set apart. Holy means to be set apart. They were set apart and they were happy that they lacked nothing in life. They were in perfect communion with God at creation. And that's a beautiful state. And it's a picture of our state in the new heavens and the new earth in the soon return of Christ. Um, we will be in a similar state. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I really like this answer, holy and happy, because I've I've sort of heard this phrase tossed around sometimes that God calls us to holiness, not happiness. But maybe that's a mistake to separate those things. Well, well, think about this, Luke. Um, where uh, where is our supreme joy in life? It's in it's in Christ. Boom! There you go. Hmm. Holy and happy. Hey. 
That's a great deal. Do you see that in the comments? Mike Alex said Andy Rice will sign the catechism for a five hundred dollar donation to Bix. So, so now, uh, see, this is now the new plan for for theological consistency. We're just going to start paying people to sign the statements. <laughs> <laughs> Mike will sign it for a thousand dollar donation to Berkshire Christian College. We've been wow, wrong approach. That makes, that makes Bix uh, uh, a real bargain. We, we, we have been taking the, the wrong approach to this the whole time, Eric. What we need to do is not to continue to have theological discussions. We need to start raising funds, and then we can bribe people. Why are we bribing people? I'm not into, sure into, into theological conformity. Bri no, 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 no. That's, uh, that doesn't work. Andy, Andy said he would sign the catechism for a $500 donation. No, Mike said that. Mike volunteered Andy for that. Oh, okay. So, so the point is that uh, Andy will agree to Orthodox theology if we pay him five hundred dollars. Brian, I'm really okay. Brian, I'm gonna bite here for a moment, okay? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I really want to hear your logical argument for why you think the headquarters of the Advent Christian denomination should be moved back to the Northeast. Let the record show, because this is now the second time that we have dragged Andy Rice through the mud. He is... A, Who's brought him through the mud? Mike is saying that Andy will sign something for a $500 donation. It's not, even profit, it's not helping Andy. It's just helping the organization in which he leads. Mike just acknowledged that Andy never agreed to this. Yeah, but I'm sure if you asked, he might do it. I mean, it's for it's for Bix, man. Those kids, I mean, Bix is a great program. I, I encourage anyone to send their kids to Bix. Did you go to Bix? No, no. Why do your parents hate you? <laughs> I didn't have the benefit of growing up in an Advent Christian church, or at least my family would have sent me to uh, to Bix. I mean, that's how you know if you love your children or not, is whether or not you sent them to Berkshire Institute for Christian Studies. <laughs> I'll sign the catechism for free. See, Andy, coming, coming to, to – uh, uh, what's the word? Clear his name. Clear his name from all, all this – I guarantee he's probably just listening to this in the background in his office, and whenever his name is is uh, is mentioned, it perks up, and he goes, he has to rewind to listen to what we had to say. Oh, okay, hold on. There's um, Glenn's telling a story now about about getting called out in church. So I I'll, I'll tell a quick story about that about uh, being a pastor's kid, and you know. So my dad's in the middle of a sermon, and if any of you have ever heard my dad preach. I don't know what Andy. I never know what you're clapping. <laughs> you have to specify what you're clapping. There's too much going on. Eric and I are, are saying all kinds of things. There's stuff going on in the chat. You need to direct your clapping. This might literally be the worst episode we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make it worse. So, uh, uh, my dad's preaching. Have you ever heard my dad preach? He's very passionate. He's very loud. He's very boisterous. Uh, there's a lot of oomph in everything that he says, and. Um, I was sitting in the pew with with a friend, and we were goofing off. And in the middle of making a point, my dad turns, and there's like two. It's like 200 people in the congregation. He turns, he points at me, and he says, "If you do not stop what you are doing right now and have some respect for this service, there are going to be consequences later." And I did not make a peep for the rest of that service. <laughs> And then he just muscled right on. He went right on into his next point. It was beautiful. Good for him, man. That's beautiful. He didn't, 
He didn't do that often. I think that's the only time I can ever remember him doing that to me, and I probably deserved it, but I do remember it. Um, Brian, I would just encourage you with with uh, your your reasoning. I would encourage you to go back to the drawing board, brother, and and just try to think through that that argument a little bit better. I'm, I'd love to hear what you have to say uh, regarding the headquarters, but it'd be uh, it'd be interesting to have maybe a more thorough and grounded. Um, reasoning from the one that you had shared it's uh, i i do think that some of the the questions brian is asking are indeed questions that our whole denomination is asking look we we are at a, a bit of a crossroads as far as the future of the denomination there's some tough questions to answer and right now um there are some different camps with very different answers and at some point we're going to have to work through those disagreements and find a way forward and Time will tell what that's going to look like and what it's going to entail, uh, whether it's uh, the sort of uh, approach you're talking about, Eric, a top-down movement towards theological conformity, whether it's a split, whether it's at some point an end. Look, I don't want to see the Avon Christians come to an end, but I, but I also know the gospel will continue it, it, without us. That, that, that is at the heart of our purpose and mission as churches, as a denomination. It's all about Christ and his gospel. Um, and that that will continue with or without the Evan Christian denomination. I certainly hope it continues with the Evan Christians, but um, there was a, there was a gospel before 18, you know, 56 or whatever year it was, and there will be a gospel until the day that he returns. Hey, I encourage you, Mike, just uh, drop this in the feed below. Um, Bob Mayer's book, he is the head librarian over at Gordon Commonwealth Theological Seminary former Advent Christian pastor and still uh, considers himself an Advent Christian. He's worked at headquarters before. He has this wonderful book, Adventism Confronts Modernity. And he really goes through the, the history of the denomination and its wrestling of, of uh, what I think is theological liberalism. He doesn't necessarily call it that, but that's my interpretation of it in our struggle in the interpretation of scripture and um, the, the, um, inspiration of it so it's a wonderful book uh, i encourage it you can read it probably in a week um has some wonderful ha has tremendous footnotes as well so thanks mike for for putting the link down there and you know mike brings up the great question and you walk away from the book you know um spoiler alert you walk away from the book and go were we ever unified to begin with um i seem to think that we weren't we just had a a, a Thin, thin veil um, covering our disunity and calling it unity. So we do, you know, maybe the decline of the denomination is kind of the, you know, an opportunity to move forward in a more unified way. Yeah, we, we'll see. It's a lot, a lot of important questions for us to answer. It is getting to be quitting time, so we do need to close the show. Eric, would you like to have the last word? Okay. If I, if, I, if I say no, then I would have the last word. No, if you say no, then I'm going to have the last word. No. Okay. The last <laughs> word today is the word malad mal maledictorian. Mal mal maledictory. Maledictory. No, maledictorian. Maledictorian is the one who graduates with the most evil. So maledictorian is the last word. And if you don't understand why that's funny, it's because you're not a part of the young pastor's Bible study that Eric and I are, and you're not invited. 
boom, and we learned a new word yesterday, which was maledictory, which I'm still not quite sure I remember what that term is. I don't think there's any helping you at this point. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining the show. We appreciate you. Um, some good discussions in the future. We've got some good guests. And in the coming weeks, after some of the fair questions raised by Brian, we are going to talk Trinity and the nature of God. And what more important thing could there be to discuss? I, I don't know. Freedom? <laughs> <laughs> Brian, go, on, Brian, we encourage you to go to the drawing board and think through your argument of trying to bring the headquarters back to the Northeast. I'm really interested in a in a thoughtful uh, reasoning. So take care, guys. What do you consider young? I don't know, Luke. What do you consider young? We, uh, I, well, I, I'm not going to answer this. I'm not going to answer this. I, I, w I would say there's no one in that group who is over the age of 45. 43, I think, is what Mike is. Oh. I think he's 43. Okay. Yeah. Well, I picked a perfect cutoff then. Yeah. But the retired pastor, I mean, he's retirement age. Well, yeah. I mean, the teacher's going to be older. Let's see how old he is. <laughs> <laughs> Mike is the last word today. <laughs> Bye, everybody.